happening is not happening. <laughs> That's the whole key, really. <laughs> what's happening has been replaced by what's not happening. And it's very hard to find what's happening again through what's not happening, yeah? Yeah. It's almost impossible to find what's happening through what's not happening. It's just a questioning about the what's not happening. Yeah? If you get that it's truly not happening, there's no need to look at what's happening. It'll become obvious to you. Yeah? There's something that's going on that's causing something that's very obvious not to seem obvious. It's an activity. I call it like a mental process. Yeah? So the mind is constantly busily interpreting this place. So, and after we, when we take the interpretation to be what's happening, then what's happening seems impossible to find. Yeah? So this, this idea isn't to try to idealize or uh, describe, or attempt to describe what's happening can't really do that, but you can sort of describe what's not happening that seems to be happening, yeah? Because you can see that, and if you see it, just like when I came into recovery, I went to this uh, I was, you know just doing what I was doing, trying to follow people's suggestions, going to meetings and uh, you know, I was basically just uh, going along with the herd then I was introduced to this understanding by these two old guys called Joe and Charlie. They used to go all around the country and they give these things called a big book seminar. Be like a four, and the big book is like the text of recovery, yeah? So it'd be a four day event and it was held in Sacramento, the closest one here. So I was at a, at a regular meeting and someone had talked about going there, these two people, and they looked a lot brighter than the rest of the people in the room. So I sort of made a little note. Saying, That's, I'd like to find out about that, but I didn't hear, hear about it again for months. But then after about months, someone at this meeting says, oh, well, we have, we have an application for the Joe and Charlie Big Book Seminar in Sacramento. So I beelined it to the front and grabbed the application, and I sent it in. I bought two tickets, me and for me and for my girlfriend at the time. <laughs> What's it going to last that long? Yes. So, I, uh, so I was planning on going. I never didn't know anything about it, but I just took my cue from watching those people share, and I sounded pretty good, and I just said, I'm going to go. So I went there, and there were 600 people there. And one of the things you don't find in, a, in like a homogenized way at a lot of meetings is like an enthusiasm. And all these people had the enthusiasm. Yeah? Sometimes there's a few people in the meeting, sometimes a lot of the people, but very rarely not everyone in the meeting is enthusiastic about recovery. Yeah? But at this group, they were all enthusiastic, 600 people, and it was sort of like a contagion. You sort of got into it. It was like everyone was enthused about recovery, and they really wanted to learn about this, the uh, program and, and the steps. And so that was a pretty good uh, atmosphere. And I went in there, and they just started to, to read what I had already been introduced to this book, which is, you know, it's in English and everything, and you can sort of understand it. But while, while they were reading it, they were explaining from their point of view what it said. And it was incredibly different than how I had been taking it, and it seemed to be a lot clearer than what, how I had been taking it. And for the people that were sort of, quote-unquote, leading me in the program, it sounded like a much clearer take. And uh, then they got to this one point on Saturday morning where they went over this step that's really important in recovery, which is the fourth step, where you do your inventory, your first inventory on your life. 
and you look at resentments, fears, and harms done to others, you don't look at the sexual arena to check that one uh, attribute, harms done to others out. And so they, and I had done one, but it never made any real sense. You know, I never saw, it's like, almost everyone who's drinking tonight has the first two, has the first two columns of this four column inventory. They know who they're mad at and why. They've got a big freaking story about it. But you never recover at those points. In AA, they bring it to the fourth column, and they ask, they ask a very important, what was your role in all this? Instead of having the victim role, or you're an innocent bystander, AA always turns the light on yourself. And there's a solution there. Yeah, because here is where the problem seems to lie. Yeah. So if you're going to look anywhere, you best turn the light on yourself, because that's where the solution is, yeah, right where you think you are. So they were explaining it, and I had heard about it for the first seven months or eight months I've been in the program, and I had a sponsor who had led me through it, but it, it wasn't too clear how he was saying it. But these guys said it, and I got it, you know? The light went on, I went back to, there was a break, I went back to my hotel room, and I did an inventory, which it took months before to try to eke one out, you know? I put off an hour every Sunday and just go over it, you know, ad nauseum, not making, didn't make any connection, I didn't see how this was working. But the way they explained it, I got it, and then the, the, the inventory just flowed, I just did a really compact, very clear one in about an hour and a half. Because that was an understanding brought that about, yeah? There was something that I had no, I had many ideas of, but I didn't have a clear understanding. And they provided a clear understanding, and it was like a big major leap in my, my life and in my experience in recovery. This is exactly what we do here, in a sense. Let's just attempt to have an understanding about what's actually not happening, but seems to be happening. Yeah, to not to question or to try to sing the the, the glories of what is. But the question, the relevance of what isn't, you know, this idea of selfing, and that that has worked for me, and so and, and understanding it, that isn't the bottom line, but it's a bridge in a sense to the bottom line. So, a lot of times, let's say you're fucked, yeah, and then now you understand that you're fucked. It may not look much different, but it is much different. Understanding that you're fucked can lead to being not fucked, yeah. Taking yourself to be fucked is you're just going to get fucked more and more. Yeah. So an understanding has a has a uh, has a value here because it takes it it sort of takes your mind and your out of the consequential level and let's say lifts the camera of awareness and you start seeing not just like the the like where the ball is at the 48 yard line you see the the whole field and you see the fans and you see you see a lot more. Yeah. So an understanding can sort of lift your attention and interest from the consequential level to see how things are doing. Or like in a, your, the exact nature of the wrong or the causes and conditions, why you're in this condition you think you're in. Yeah. So by seeing the causes and conditions and then maybe getting to some of the exact nature of the wrong, what happens? There's a possibility of freedom from that. Yeah. But when you're in it and you don't know you're in it, there's no possibility of freedom from it because you're not even entertaining the possibility of being free from it. And I'll tell you something, you and I have a major role in how our lives are. Yeah. In other words, this, this sense of being imprisoned in the mind is like a mobile prison. Wherever you are, you set it up. Yeah. And the whole point is the same, right where the supposed problem is, is the solution. So in recovery it says, hey, we're not people with problems. We're, we are the problem. What? 
Oh yeah, Paul, you're the problem. What? It's not the cops, it's not my family of origin, it's not my girlfriend. No, you're the problem. And invariably you'll find that you made a decision based on self somewhere that puts you in the position that you think you're in right now. What? Oh yeah. You had a large you had a large role to play in this situation that you seem to be fighting and you know, being bitching about, but you're actually a participant in this thing called your life in a way. Oh really? Yeah. So this is why I like the understanding of let's say what we're not, yeah? Because what we're not is an activity. What we are doesn't need any activity to promote it. It is promoted already because it's being, yeah? It's what you're not, to appear to be so, has to be remembered because it's not so. What you are never needs to be remembered because it's so, yeah? If you would forget the selfing, you would, what, what you would call remembering what you are would just dawn on you immediately. It wouldn't be a mental act of remembering because you are it. So like St. Francis says in, uh, you know, it's in self-forgetting that you're reborn or something like that. Buddhism says, this one guy in Buddhism, Dogen, a great Zen master, says, to, the study of Buddhism is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. Yeah? Why is it so important, the antidote to the forgetfulness of it? Because the whole appearance of self is a remembrance. Yeah? You're remembering it. The mind's remembering being you. That's why it's obsessed with time. Because when it thinks about you in the past, it pictures you as a body somewhere else at some other time. Yeah? When it's thinking about you, let's say, even an hour ago, it's remembering you now. There isn't anything called an hour ago. It's just a mental impossibility that seems possible in this moment. Yeah? It's, it's called the past and the future. So the mental process uses this form of remembering you yeah, by thinking about you somewhere else at some other time, so that what the remembering will happen now. And when we remember Paul, then what so becomes forgotten. Yeah, it sort of becomes absent. We don't sense the presence because we're now in a mental presence, and for that mental presence to seem real, it has to deny the real presence. Yeah, it has to deny it because. It can't match it. It can't meet on the same field, yeah? Because it would inherently, it would be inherently seen as absent, this mental activity, if it was put right next to the present. So what it does is, it's, it hides the present with this thing called past and future. It uses the past and future to remember you now, yeah? So, when you take an action, there's this habit of thinking you are doing it, yeah? Why? Because you once did it, and you've been worrying all day about you will be doing something. So its logic is, I once was, I, you know, I was there, I will be there, therefore I am here. <laughs> now, it sounds logical to it, but it, some insane systems seem very logical. They do. If you would go down to the exact nature of the system, you'd see the insanity of it. But while you're in it, it seems a bit damn logical. Like, it seemed like a smart move for me to run from the cops down that dead-end alley. It did. At the time. It seemed incredibly, hey, that's a good idea. No, <laughs> you know, but at the time it sounded incredible. Good news, yeah. So here... <laughs> <laughs> the feeling of being you 
does not exist. Yeah? That's why it has to be remembered. What isn't so has to be remembered. That it was once so, that it will be so. Thinking about the future is a form of remembrance. It is. Because you're, th- you're remembering you, because you're being pictured in the future, and then the mind remembers you, and it gets to hit, hey, I'm here. Yeah? Which it always has to do because it's not here. You're not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. You're not a mental configuration. You're not a mental idea of a soul. You're none of that. You're the your awareness. Your awareness. Your spirit, whatever you want to call it. You're the the incessant onness that is that almost gives a hum to your bodily bodily condition. You feel a presence. You're on. Yes. It's almost it's indisputable. While we're all yapping all day, the whole point is there is an indisputable sense of being on here. Something is aware. Yeah. Now, how would something that would want to affirm its presence by denying the presence, what would it have to do? It can't get rid of the presence, so what's the best thing to do? It claims the presence. So instead of, it can't get rid of the seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, it can't get rid of the conscious contact, consciousness and contact. So it's, what it does is it claims to be the one who's conscious. Yeah? Now when consciousness is demonstrating, which it's doing all the, at every moment you're alive, while it's demonstrating its consciousness by being aware of things through these five gates, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, the mental process says, oh, I beg to differ with you. You're not consciousness, you're Paul, and Paul is conscious. Almost as if Paul did is doing consciousness. So Paul better become a whole lot more conscious, because you know what? Paul keeps falling back into the old belief about Paul that he's unconscious. <laughs> so here's consciousness, and you can't put any figure on it or quantification, yeah? And it's just, let's say, a field or a state or something that can't be localized, because it's everywhere, yet it's expressing locally, yeah? Can't be quantified, because it's not of a thing. Can't be measured, can't say, I've got, you know, four feet of awareness or consciousness, yeah? You're not going to run out of it. You, in other words, if you're really conscious Monday and Tuesday, you don't have to fast and, you know, go into a hibernation period so that you'll be conscious Saturday for your, for your birthday. You've got plenty of consciousness available, yeah? If there's eight billion people, there's enough consciousness. Fifty billion people, there'll be enough consciousness. One person, enough consciousness, Yeah? It's not quantified. We're not producing consciousness. Consciousness is moving through us, yeah? It's just a huge field, and there can be 30 billion people, a trillion people here, and there'd be enough consciousness to move through those 30 trillion people, yeah? It's not going to... There's going to be a one person who's not going to be conscious. <laughs> He's the only person. He's number 30 trillion and one. Oh, fuck, they, we ran out. We ran out of consciousness. <laughs> it seems ludicrous, yeah? So here's the consciousness that's in contact, and it's indisputable. You could just go back to the, the research about kids. They say that the sense of separation doesn't usually show up and galvanize till about the 18th month, you know? So yet, you can't deny the fact that there seemed to have been someone there for the 17 months and 29 days prior to that some, that whatever it is, thinking it's a self. So it was already on, and then it grew into a mental idea called, hey, I'm someone, and then, you know, the my starts, yeah? You know how they do it? Like, kids are usually really, 
in the beginning they're giving everything to you and that and after hit around two they're taking it back. Mine, mine, mine. The selfing is setting up its little parameters, yes. <laughs> you watch it, it's happening all the time. So what was there prior to that? Development. I would say that's more you than what showed up after the development. Yeah? I would say the feeling of you is produced by that development called selfing. I don't, and the feeling, the weirdest thing is, is when this, this process produces a sense of self, the sense of self has a hysterical, his, hysterical, true, but historical feeling that it was prior to the product, production, yeah? So there's something that produces the sense of self, but then the sense of self says, I'm the one that's doing the producing, or selfing's attacking me. It always takes relevance. It always puts itself in the position of what cannot be preceded, which is consciousness here. It always puts itself there. So by claiming the consciousness, and like Buddha said, a simple little directive, he said, hey, when you see, see. It's not difficult, is it? I mean, obviously, you're not seeing, are you? If your eyes open and something flew by the window, you're going to tell me you made a choice to see that bird? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> If, if your eyes are open, you're going to see what shows up in the field. If your ears are open, you're going to hear a sound that, that vibrates here. There's no choice in it. Right? <laughs> but then there's, a, then there's seeing thoughts, and then you believe there's a choice there, and that you're the doer of that. I'm the thinker. Why is it that the seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching doesn't get you in any trouble? But in the, the sixth gate, uh, when Buddhism talks about the seeing of thoughts as a sixth gate, you know, not feelings, you know, the, not the physical gates, but the mental gate. Why is it that one gate is where all the fucking trouble seems to to abide? And there's one difference. Usually in the seeing, you don't think you're, you know, I'm doing it. Yes, you don't, do you? I'm seeing. I'm really seeing you. you know? Really, you know, it doesn't seem much effort. But then, the way that you're, you're holding thoughts is that you're the thinker. You don't see that that's the glue to having those thoughts have so much power over you. Once a thought is your thought, they get heavier, don't they? They get heavier. Once a thought is about you, it's much heavier than if it's about someone else, in most cases. Yeah. Why is that? So, maybe it's not the thought that's causing the trouble, maybe it's the mind that's causing the trouble. Yeah? Maybe the being identified as the thinker of the thought is putting me in the position for the thoughts to have the ability to fuck with me. Yeah? That there would be a freedom from the thoughts if I would just see them as thoughts. There's no freedom from the thoughts if they're mine. Yeah? It's like if you went to a park and there was 30 kids there, where, where your, your attention would usually be drawn to the one that was yours, yeah? So here's every thought going by in your head, and your attention seeing it, but it's drawn to them because they're held as your thoughts, yeah? The attention to the thought is like the bridge for all this conditional fucking old ideas, beliefs, like in recovery they say, unless you let go of all your old ideas, the result will be nil. All this conditioning, all these beliefs, how do they find expression. They have to go through you. You're the doorway. They're just, they're just latently available. They're not appearing here. They can't find any expression because no one's believing them, in a sense. 
And then here we are, we act as the conveyor for all those feelings, all those thoughts, all those ideas to express themselves in thoughts, in feelings, in things that have been claimed, like my feelings or my thoughts. And now we're actually experiencing the meaning that the mind is giving it. The thought's not bringing us a meaning, the mind's giving it the meaning. Yeah? So when you see something out here, that's a long process that started from quote unquote in here. Yeah, like the Course of Miracles says, this is it's not projection, it's it's uh, it's projection before perception. It's not perception. Yeah? It's projection. The mind is projecting meaning. And then this apparatus, in the ignorance or the ignoring of its real state, sees or perceives those things as solid and real. And now that, through that perception, they have a huge power to affect us as this solid and real thing. Yeah. That's the ball game that's going on. But it's coming from, you're the pitcher, the hitter, and the fielder, and the umpire. You're the catcher, everything. You're playing every role here. But we don't see that. We forget from whence the ball came. Yeah. And it throws the whole game off. Yeah. So here's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. The mental process claims it and says, see or seen. Yeah. Hear or heard the notes now, right? And these notes will remind me of past notes I've heard because that's how I remember me now. I hear these notes. And they remind me of organs I've heard in other churches before. Because who was there hearing those organs in other churches? Me. Bingo. It's just done what it wanted to do, which is remember me. When it's remembered, and it's quick, you know, we're in the habit of it. When it's remembered, something that is even more closer to us than the breath is forgotten. Yeah? We forget the consciousness as being the Alpha and the Omega, and we take ourselves this mental idea to become the Alpha and the Omega. And now this mental process starts playing God in this little realm. And then we sorely, in quote-unquote, we're in sore need of God, but the only God we can go to is go to this God. He's our intermediary. To, and then now he informs us, oh, you're going to now know God, Paul, but it's going to be a God of your own making. Yeah. The mind's going to make that God. So maybe you'll get a parking lot in front of the meeting or maybe a two-month relationship, but when you really need it, the minutiae of the day, traveling this way, it's nowhere to be found. You just call it like, you know, come on, Santa, help me. I need to get a date or something. But the living every day, oh no, I'm already, I'm, oh, I got it. I got it covered. You know? This whole day is about, what am I going to do today? Remember me, basically. <laughs> every time I have a coffee, oh, I remember I had that blue bottle coffee. Every time I meet a girl, oh, she reminds me of another girl I met. Every time I have a thought, oh, this thought reminds me of another thought. Exactly. It's not the thought you're remembering, it's you, which is a thought. Yeah. You don't see it? It's like a disease. Just because it has a lot of uh, oath, it can never, never cover completely everywhere. It can never, timelessness, time is never going to beat timelessness. Yeah? Time, no matter how continual the idea of being you is reinforced, there are so many gaps, yeah, that timelessness doesn't see through, it's already there. And the mind can't escape its own nature. Yeah. We call them pauses or free samples or 
grace, whatever. What happens though when you have a grace or you have a, an incredible absence of your own self in this life? Then the, the, the mental process of selfing arises sooner or later and then claims it and says, I had an incredible epiphany. It had no epiphany. It was absent. That's why you called them up those periods of time an epiphany, because you were finally freed from the bondage of self. <laughs> then the bondage of self kicks in and goes, I had the epiphany. All right, here it is. I got and then he goes, it's like we were talking the other day, to a notary public and gets it. Oh, I had a spiritual experience notarized by some other fucking false authority. Oh, yes, you, you've gotten it. Yes. You worked diligently. Must, must have been working for a lifetime. You finally made it. I'll notarize it. Yes, you're awake or something. It's fucking insane to me. It doesn't matter how many times you're accredited with something, yeah, that you believe you earned. If you believed you earned it, that's no value whatsoever. Yeah, if you believe you achieved it, the next mindset is, I can lose it. There's no peace in there. This has to be a God-given state that you have nothing to do with it for the, actually for it to be left alone. Yeah, Everything else will be tinkered with by the mental process, you know, Suddenly or obviously, but when you actually realize there's, I need do nothing, that there's nothing that needs to be added or subtracted, that it's already as it is, as it will be, as it always was, it's not even in time, but as it is, yeah, then your relevance gets severely diminished, and that's why it can become a lasting state to you. It is a lasting state, but to you. See, it's no, it doesn't really mean much if it's a lasting state, but not to you. Yeah? If it's not translating into your day today, if it's not, it doesn't matter in this place. Yeah? And in the place, if you want to call it awareness, there's no value of awareness being aware in awareness. There's a value of being aware where there can be unawareness. That's what makes it valuable. And this place really fits the bill. You can be unconscious of your own nature for like maybe 70 or 80 years. You can't do it forever, but you can pull it off for like 75 years. You can't erase the first 18 months. You were totally, you know, conscious. But then when the story starts forming, you can probably keep it going for 70 years and then maybe you'll get the, la you'll get the real butt of the joke at the last second of your life when your mind says, you really blew it, Paul. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> You've been listening to it all your life. You think you're not going to listen to it at the last minute? That's why it says now. Now's the time to die, to die to the self. So that you won't die as a self. Yeah? Now's the time to die to the self. Lose interest in it. That's what dying is with something. You don't have to kill it because it's not so. It just does, if you stop blowing it up, there'll be nothing you need to do. You know? And that's the whole thought system. That's all it's doing. It says, I used to work at the sex place called the Pink Pussycat Boutique, you know? <laughs> in Fort Lauderdale and Coconut Grove, Florida. It was unbelievable. And they had a lot of products there. But this one product, they had these blow-up dolls, like six-foot dolls, with three orifices, and with red hair, blonde hair, and brunette. And they were bad, you know, I had trouble selling them. 
people say, oh, we're getting it for a bachelor party. I'd look at them. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> you know? But then they got a new model, and the new model had a voice box where you pulled this string, and it had about five sentences that would come up. I'm a real girl, was one of them. I love you, I love you, I love you. And I put my foot down. I just, I can't sell that. I just can't do it. You know what I mean? So this is like, this is what the, men, the mental process is doing. It's blowing up this little mental doll of you, yeah, by remembering it. And you're remembering it by thinking of the future. It's the, it, remembering isn't only located in the past. The future is used to remember it. And all of that remembering is blowing up the doll, and then it has the voice box, which is, I mean my, 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 you know, and, and there you go. <laughs> and you know, of course you're scared because that thing could be popped easily, yeah? Very fragile. <laughs> you know how exhausting it is? You don't have any time, for, you don't have any energy for anything, Yeah? It's a, it's a form of slavery, really. Mental slavery. It, there's a, a large amount of juice there, but it will run out. You'll burn out. The body will burn out. The mind will go into neuroses because it's sort of like putting a marathon runner in a closet. He's not finding any great satisfaction, you know, worrying about the hem of his pants for five hours, you know? It's putting a, a monstrous possibility into a very mundane activity, you know, worrying about, does anyone see the pimple here, you know? Like this, you know, on and on and on and on. There's that, that energy, though it seems like it's forever, is going to wear out this and wear out the brains and the synapses. And you're going to be fried. Yeah. This is like really economical. You have enough to deal with what is right now. Whatever, however it appears to be, you've got the wherewithal to walk through it. You have no ability to walk through all your imaginary, imaginary what's not happenings. You don't. You're overwhelming, yeah? When you think you're going to have cancer, when you don't, when you think this person is better than you and your kids are going to choose them over you, there's no way you're going to win that, yeah? First of all, because it's actually not happening. This is a very good deterrent or a very good producer of immunity to what's not happening. This moment, because it has one quality what's not happening doesn't have, and that it, it is happening. Yeah? And just the awareness of this basic moment, no matter how it looks, just this basic rawness that it's actually happening is, a, is, is the source of all immunity to all of those billions of imaginary possibilities you can entertain in what's not happening. Yeah? The mind can do 58 triple jumps and, and look incredible, but the whole circus gets run out of town by just an awareness of now. It doesn't matter if it's at a temple or at a beautiful lake. It can be in the subway. It can be Sixth and Market. It can be at the coffee shop. Anytime the mind is aware of now, in a sense, or not even now, just what's happening, it, ha it starts reinforcing the ability to have immunity to what's not happening. And this is the greatest conservation of energy. Yeah? Because you're not pissing all your energy away anymore. Your energy is getting cultivated and harnessed just because you're conscious. Yeah? And then when you need some juice, it's there, it's available. You don't, you haven't, you haven't weakened the reservoir 
by all this absurd imaginings of what's going to happen. Yeah? Because if that thought about next week is just a thought about something that isn't happening, how much more evidence do you need to have freedom from it? If I, enter, if I see that it's not happening, what more is there? I, I don't need to go to a therapist who, who studies, you know, his, his, his uh, specialty is dealing with what's not happening. He'd be out of business. All I'd have to do is, I have an hour, uh, you know, uh, meeting, and I walk in and I start spilling all my concerns about what's not happening. You say, they're not happening. All right, 150 bucks. Wait a minute, there's 59 more minutes. Yeah, go fucking live now. Don't be in this freaking room with me. Go live. I just get, you got 59 minutes. Actually, you have the whole hour. Why? Because it's not happening. It sounds so simple. It seems, how could we have missed that? How could we have missed it? Because if there's a sense of you, you've missed it already. You've got to question, is that sense of you a, a validating, authentic reading of what's going on? Or has something interpreted that sense and replaced the you that seems to be sensed with a mental idea? A sense of being an action figure, a long-lasting historical independent, choosing, having own, their own volition, shit like that character. Yeah, isn't it? The sense, is, it, is the sense of presence very, very similar to what you call the sense of you? If you would see the you is the interpretation, you'd have that sense that you have always been, but you wouldn't be calling it you anymore. You'd sense it as the presence. Yeah? You would sense it as the presence of consciousness, not the mental presence of you but the presence of consciousness. You finally would be at the pulse of life. You would be in, in the seeing, the hearing, the feeling, the tasting, the touching. You'd be right there. And I'm telling you something, it's going gonna, it's gonna to send something coursing through what you call your life. You're going to feel some energy. Like it says in AA, you'll feel a new power flowing. Yeah? You'll be able to enjoy peace of mind. You'll sense the presence of the higher power. You'll be reborn. Exactly. Yeah. It, says, it says very simply, when you get established in this situation of your reliance on something other than self, when you get established in that shift, this is what's going to happen. You're going to feel a, a new power flow in. You'll be able to enjoy peace of mind. You'll be able to face life successfully. You'll sense the presence of a higher power. All of this is determined only on one thing. Being sincerely or being established in your own reality. Yes? Once you're established in your own reality, then in a way you have a new reality. You've actually participated in the only place something can actually occur, where the imaginary problem is. Yeah? The solution sees this as imaginary. Yeah? The idea of being Paul. It sees it as a mental activity. It sees it as a lot of things, but it doesn't see it as you. Yeah? It doesn't see it as you. When that happens, that's it. Then, you'll, then now, you can never know what you are, so you give up this fucking giant mental security called I know. That thing gives up. You're now in a state of I don't know, and what happens is you find out you find out what it's like to be at the pulse of life. You sense it. Yeah? 
You have a, you now are, you're in another modality of knowledge. Not the knowledge that it says will avail us nothing in recovery. It says self-knowledge will avail us nothing. Of course it won't avail you anything, because if self, if any knowledge is claimed by self, it's not going to lead to freedom from self. It's going to be purportedly leading freedom as self, which is not free. There's no freedom as a self. It can't stand. It can't last. You can have the experience of being free, but you'll be bound again. It can't stand on its own because it's two-faced. It's dualistic. But if I'm not that, that's that. Now Now the great need to have knowledge is given up. You see it as fucking pointless. Because the only way you're really ever going to authentically know anything is by finding out. And this, thank God, this this energy is manifesting, or it's being, and that's how you find out, by its being through you. Yeah? It's like in recovery they say, all right, we're so enslaved to the idea of us, yeah, that the only way we can even entertain an idea of a higher power is based on our own understanding. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Yeah. So, okay, Paul, we're going to soothe that huge fear of really surrendering. Well, have a higher power of your own understanding. And your understanding is, if you're good, maybe you'll get you a date or something like that. And you can work with that God. It's not a big threat, yeah? But after a while, hopefully you get to a point where that, because if you even participate in this program of recovery or whatever you want to, whatever you're participating in, if you're participating in anything, something's going to be revealed of what is that that is uh, participating. But in this, you're going to be led to a point where you're going to go, hey, I have, a, I'd rather have a higher power or a God of its own understanding. Yeah, Let's put it in God's ball, and I'll just say, and I don't know what's going on, and therefore I'll have to be, I'll have to find out. And of course, now it becomes revelatory, because what, what I was framing the higher power was such a small, small aperture that this huge juice could participate in my life through. I, the frame gets removed, and now all bets are off, yeah? No matter how many old ideas you have about yourself, it'll trump them. They'll just keep it, new imitations you'll be taken care of without much doing of anything. Take, what? That can't be so. I have to approve value. If you really want to be right about that, okay. But if you're willing to let go, you'll be taken care of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just, you just go with it. Yeah? You don't know. And you'll find out. And that becomes an unspoken yes. That is reliable. That's in your own... That's closer than an experience. Then you don't need, like, false authorities to verify anything. You know in your own gut. Yeah. Beyond, beyond any doubt, like a sense of certainty comes over you. Now, the mind may not totally rest, and there's no need for it, because you are the seeing of the mind. It doesn't mean the mind immediately changes, because it doesn't have to. The seeing never changes. That's the recognition. Yeah? And yet, whatever is seen is influenced by the seeing. Like it says in physics, the biggest influence of any experiment is the observer of it. So, if you're seeing the mental activity, and the the attention and interest is resting in the seeing, that's going to influence the mental activity. It will lose its volume, it will lose its speed, yeah? 
It will have to, because the seeing is all there is. Yeah? The seeing has the greatest influence on whatever is seen. That's why they study, they do these studies in physics with light, and let's say they have a, they get a big grant, and they, the grant is to find light as particles. So light appears as particles to them. Then they have another one to find light as waves. Then light takes the appearance of a wave. It almost dances to the tune of the observer. Yeah? Consciousness is that powerful. What's seen is the you, is the biggest effect of what's being seen. Like, the Course says it so beautifully. It says, you and I, the Course of Miracles, you and I are dreaming, we are the dreamer of this dream. You and I are the dreamer of this dream, yeah? We forgot that we're the dreamer of the dream, and now we've given everything we dreamt the power to affect us as this dreamt object, yeah? Not to affect us. It can't affect what we are, but it can affect what we seem to be, yeah? Everything. That we are the dreamer of the dream. We're, we forgot. We're in the forgetting of that. Let's not say we, the, forgot is. It's more applicable to say we're in the forgetting of that. Yeah, because it's an activity. When you're obsessed with the selfing, you are forgetting you're the dreamer of this place. You definitely are. You are totally locked into being the dreamt. You are the object. Yeah. So you and I are the dreaming of this place. We for, we're forgetting that we're the dreamer, and now everything we, we're dreaming has the, uh, the ability to affect us. Yeah? Isn't that the explanation for your day, every day? You can have an 800-page thesis, but that gets it pretty clear, I think. Exactly what's going on. One sentence. It's a pretty damn good description, at least for me. It rang the bell, and it hasn't stopped reverberating since I was introduced to that statement. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tons of, tons of examples with that were never seen with the link-up were seen when this, when this expression came to my mind. Yeah? My mind saw that and went boom, 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 and expanded on it. And saw the linking, how it all linked up. And then I heard all these other things and linked it all up. Yeah? Link it all up. The mind is a many splendid thing, in a sense, yeah. Somebody, all it needs is one invitation, and it just it can just take off. Some great masters, they heard one thing. Some guy was walking through a market in China, and the guy was singing, uh, chanting, like, say, uh, the Heart Sutra, which is a great sutra in Mahayana Buddhism. This illiterate person heard, like, one line and woke up. And he became, that, he became the patriarch of the whole Zen lineage, this illiterate dude. That's all he needed. He just needed to hear one line of this hot sutra. That's all his mind needed. His mind was pregnantly available, but it just it needed one little possibility here, which was hearing someone walking by chanting the hot sutra. Bingo! Boom! You know? In AA, being convinced that self manifested in various ways is why it's defeated us. Boom! Bingo! You see the whole thing. Yeah? Oh, people step on your toes and they retaliate. But if you look at, you look back at it, you'll invariably find that you made a decision based on self that later puts you in this position to be hurt. Bingo! Explains fucking everything. Doesn't it? You take one statement and the mind can just go, and then it sees almost like a totally different way than seeing things running into other things and colliding and having their own. But you see the pattern of it all. 
Yeah, and then you can see the pattern of mind dreaming. Yeah, and all that leads back to the dreaming. Yeah, it's like putting a, a string on a mouse's tail. You follow it back because it will go like this from a consequential level to a principle and then to a state, and it leads somewhere. If you follow it back, it all they all lead to the one place. Yeah, the scene. Everything is preceded by seeing here. Nothing can get behind the scene. Yeah? And the scene can't be seen. Just like this great teacher said, what's conceiving can't be conceived of. Yeah? What's seeing can't be seen. What's hearing can't be heard. What's tasting can't be t- tasted. What's, what's feeling can't be felt. Yeah? Because it's the feeling. Yeah? There's nothing that can feel what's feeling. Yeah? It's not a thing. It's not an object. It's not something that you can put outside of yourself and see it, or feel it, or taste it, or touch it. It is what we are. And you can't know it like we know things. You can only know it by finding out. By living it. Yeah? If you try to put it on the glass and study it, you've neutered it. You've missed the whole point, in my view. I'm telling you. I could be wrong, but it seems clear to me that as soon as you want to make it something you can know, you've neutered it. It doesn't have the ability that it once had, seemingly. Because now you are playing God again. Now you're playing God with the truth. And you make it into something it isn't, which is, it's not a thing. It's not a form of knowledge. It's not a quantity of something. You can't capture it. You can't claim it. You can't privatize it. You can't build commerce around it. You cannot sell peace. Yeah? Yet it's always available at all times. So, if you had a meeting and someone says something and it triggers an aha, do you really believe it was that someone saying something? The mind was just pregnantly waiting for, it's like that car that stalled. It's just pregnantly waiting for a drop of gas it has its own key, its own ignition, doesn't even have to step on a gas, and then the mind fires, yeah? Just fires. But it's mind and mind alone that's giving everything the meaning. That meaning didn't come from that person or from that statement. That's why a living book is, is giving the livingness to it by the one who's reading it, not the book itself, yeah? It's the mind that's reading it. It's the mind that's hearing this message. That's the message. So, no matter how far you think you've gone away from it, it's like we, I'll end with this. Here's the game board, yeah? So there's a feeling of being Paul. You think that's the beginning of the game board, you know, and your first role. But actually, I'd say that's square four. Mental process produces a sense of being you. Now you're coming to at that point. At the point of the end of a mental process, which is the product of feeling of being a you, you now come to at that point. That's not square zero. That's not square four. Maybe square seven. Who knows? Yeah? There's a whole other game behind where you think the game starts. Well, let's just say square four. Okay? Let's say you're in square four and then something happens and you're shook out of the square fourness 
And what do you usually sense? Let's call it square zero. Yeah. So then you're at square 12, and then something, Zen bitch slaps you at square 12, and you come out of the appearance of square 12, and where are you? Square zero. Then square 24, you really, this is, this, this is really true. All those problems, this is the real problem on square 24. Right? Square zero again. Maybe five or six more times. How many more times do you need to realize you're always at square zero? <laughs> square eight, square twelve, square twenty-four was just a mental appearance, but none of that can erase or move you anywhere farther or closer from square zero. You don't go anywhere in everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, the solution is right where you are at all times with no requirement necessary to meet it, because you are it. <laughs> Meeting it would be too much of a, ment- uh, a time formality. The timelessness of the real state is you are it. Yeah? Just like the solution is that it's an imaginary problem, therefore you don't even need the solution. <laughs> you just need it temporarily when you're entertaining because the problem seems real so now you're entertaining the solution that the problem's imaginary when it really becomes so to you there goes the solution that's why it's so beautiful there's not even a solution left yeah problem and solution both go not just one both because if you get rid of one it's going <coughs> to attract the other if you have a solution there's going to be a problem but if the solution is only like you got the problem, a thorn in your foot it's driving you crazy, you get the solution you take that thorn, you take the other thorn out, you don't replace the first thorn with the second thorn, do you? You throw both of them away so while you think you have a thorn which is the problem, this is a damn good solution this message, yeah? You use it, get it in there, you pry the first one out, you don't use this message to take the place of the first one it's going to be another thorn <laughs> it's just a thorn but it has a purpose. Then, so therefore, the real solution is that there isn't a solution. So fucking good. Because then you can't fuck anything up. Yeah? No matter how you think you fuck things up, it's all, it's like you're writing on a chalkboard and it all disappears. You don't even have to erase it. Yeah? In other words, you're, 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 you're not even forgiven. You're before forgiving. Yeah? Of course shit happens and you're going to have reactions. Someone's going to say, hey, you're a bad person. And you're probably going to feel like a bad person. But how is that feeling? What's prior to that feeling? Isn't, being, isn't it being seen? For you to actually fall into the feeling of being a bad person, there must be some light to bring that, that idea up. What is that light? No matter what's brought up, it doesn't change. It doesn't blink. If it's, oh, that's really bad. I don't want to look at that. No, its nature is to see, yeah? So it's the scene all the time. Any questions? So? <laughs> I caught you wrong. No. no.